Happy Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Steve Dace Show podcast here on iHeart, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with us as well. We'll get to Worldview Wednesday here in a moment. But first, here's how you can let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And gentlemen, we just finished wrapping up today's show on CRTV. Give the audience a little preview. Aaron, I'll start with you. What stood out to you about today's show? What should they be looking forward to? There is a moment that happens during uh, the midst of uh, President Trump's speech yesterday at the U.N. Uh, that that has really um, nothing to do with his actual speech, but goes deeper um, than any uh, than any policy, than uh, any... Um, any any lack of principles that the president has and really just illustrates um, something that I, I, I that you said Steve that you just did not expect out of this presidency and we'll be talking about that quite a bit uh, as well as, as as well as the actual speech and whether or not um, whether or not a, 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 any actionable outcome will happen from that speech but yeah that moment, in the speech that we talk about during during the or during the uh, roundtable, the CR roundtable, it's just it makes me sick to my stomach. I'm glad you brought it up because it really made me mad. President, any president deserves better than that, but he has to demand better than that too. He has to demand better that that, and and you'll see it for yourself today on CRTV promo code days. So it's just it's not acceptable. Period. And I mean it's not. I'm sorry. That just can't ever happen, ever. You can't ever posture for the media and the and the and the wine and dine cheese cheese and wine crowd in D.C. while I'm giving a speech. That just can't happen. Period. Todd, what stood out to you? Well, just quickly in regard, to, it happens all the time. Though. General Mattis yep. has been doing this to them yep. for the last month now. Uh, well, on a lighter note, I learned that there is some ambiguity. I don't know if it's because of celestial events. I'm not really sure. But we're not quite certain anymore when Cinco de Mayo is. <laughs> All right. If, you have to watch today's show, and you will understand why that is very, very funny. All right. It, it's on uh, today's fake news or not. So listen, if you haven't tried us yet at CRTV, you get a free trial. You can cancel if you don't like it within the time period. Nothing's charged to your card, to you, your account, nothing at all. If you decide you want to stick around or you want to sign up right now, use my name, promo code DACE. That's D-E-A-C-E, promo code DACE. You'll get a, a reduced annual subscription and you won't just get our show, but also Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Steven Crowder too. And then if you're like, hey, even with the promo code, that's a big nut for me to pay you know, right, out, right up front. I get that. You know, that's, we're all at varying degrees of middle class America here in our studio today. We offer you a $10 a month option. All right, 10 bucks a month. You can get everything we do here at CRTV. CRTV.com is the website. Use that promo code DACE. 
Let's get to Worldview Wednesday. I personally believe elitism, Marxism, atheist, government intervention, secular humanist, liberals and conservatives, materialism, nihilism, U.S. Americans, Christian, globalist, socialist, democracy. Worldview, as the word suggests, is how we look at the world around us. How do we understand life as it hits us in the face? Libertarian. Tea Partier. The free market. Nobody is without a worldview. The only question is, is it a good one or a bad one? So it becomes the glasses, the spectacles, the filter through which they're actually seeing life. And the whole universe and the world and human life is understood through that lens. This is Steve Dace. And this is Worldview Wednesday, your college philosophy class on the podcast, where we delve a little bit deeper into the worldviews and ideologies at stake and, and how to how to either confront them or um, advance them, depending on whether we agree with them or not. Uh, and that's our focus on Worldview Wednesday each and every week here on the podcast. Now, we kind of do this every day anyway, because Worldview is the basis for uh, the positions you hear us take on our show. But once a week, we wanted to, to dedicate an entire show to this topic uh, because we think that's how important it is. And we've been doing this series going back to my 2014 book, Rules for Patriots, How Conservatives Can Win Again, that is based on my Ten Commandments of Political Warfare. We've been going back through these because we live in a different political environment now than we did even just three years ago when this book came out when you know we still had the deep divisions within the right particularly within the Republican Party, and I'm no longer a registered Republican as a result of them. But the lines were, while getting murkier, were still pretty clearly drawn, or at least more clearly drawn than they are now. Now we don't know what the lines are. I mean, as we speak, this is what's going on in Alabama right now. Pray, if, pray for the conservatives in Alabama. How do you sort through this? Can I just lay out what's going on in that state? Yeah. You're, so we have President Trump has like an 83% approval rating in the state. Okay. You have a crooked Republican senator who got the job, not because he was elected, but appointed by the outgoing governor who he was investigating as the attorney general uh, for corruption. And I think Bentley was the former governor's name. On his way out the door, when Sessions gets picked to be AG, he appoints Luther Strange, the AG, to take Sessions' place. Now, the, the, the rumors and speculation in, in Alabama is that this was done as a quid pro quo so that Strange would cease his investigation into Bentley's corruption. Now, I have no idea whether that's true or not, but here, here's what is true. Luther Strange ceased his investigation into Bentley's corruption, and he's now a U.S. senator. All right? He's very unpopular in that state. And since Trump took over, has been a total McConnell swamp monster. That's why McConnell is, and, his, and, his, and his super PACs are supporting this guy. Then you have Judge Roy Moore, who's openly running on what Trump ran on last year, openly attempting to support the president. And yet the president still continues to support Luther Strange, who is funded by some shady people, man. Just, just no other way to put it. Some shady people. Meanwhile, you have literally every conservative of consequence in America I can think of, I think, has endorsed Roy Moore now in this, in this primary, including some of the people that are the most vocal in defending Trump at all costs, like Sean Hannity. Trump is doing a rally 
on Friday for Luther Strange. Remember the first big conservative endorsement Trump got? Do you remember who that was? Sarah Palin. Sarah Sarah Palin went down to Alabama last night. The the rally that Trump's doing for Luther Strange on Fridays in Huntsville. Sarah Palin went to Huntsville, Alabama last night for Judge Roy Moore to preempt Trump's rally. You have the vice president is going down there as well to try and support Luther Strange. Can you see if you're an Alabama conservative man and you don't have 10 hours a day to follow this stuff? How just be damned confusing to know what in the Sam Hill is going on here? You know what I'm trying to say? You know what I'm saying? Unless you had, unless this was your full-time job and you had you could afford the time from your family and your business to follow all of this, how in the world do you keep all this straight? I, I, don't, I wouldn't know how to do it. How would you know? Yet this is the environment we are in. And so we're in an environment now where the lines aren't murky. They don't exist. They, they don't exist. And so... We need to make sure that our political tactics match the environment we're in. Because you can be the you can have the most brilliant tactics there are. But if 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 they're not conducive to the environment you're in, you're doomed. No matter how brilliant they may be as a standalone intellectual theoretical entity, you are doomed if they can't be applied to this environment. So what we have found so far in this podcast is a couple of these Aren't, aren't relevant at the moment, right? We have found, though, the rest of them are, but they have to be tweaked. They have to be recalibrated. I'll be curious to see what you guys think about this week's commandment. We're on commandment number eight. Always make your opponent defend their record slash belief system. And the reason I came up with this is because something you've heard me say on this show over the years is we do have a biblical commandment to always be ready with a defense for why we have the faith and the hope in that faith that we have, right? But being having a defense is not the same as being on the defensive. A great defense attorney will have a defense. He will not get caught being on the defensive. Right? There's a difference. Michigan's defensive coordinator Don Brown's philosophy is considered right now maybe the best defensive coordinator in all of football. You know what his philosophy is? Solve your problems with aggression. That's his philosophy. It's not 3-4-4-3-5-2-3-3-5. It's not a scheme. Michigan will change their defensive schemes every week depending on who the opponent is like an NFL team does. Because he, he's, gonna cha- he's not dogmatic about what our alignment is. He's dogmatic about, we will choose the alignment that allows us to attack you rather than waiting back for you to attack us. So solve your problems with aggression. If you're at a position, you may be, but don't stop and think about it. Whatever you are about to do, do it as fast and hard as you possibly can. Because it is better to do the wrong thing fast and hard and aggressive than to be um, slow and delayed in doing the right thing. Out on the grin iron. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yep. All right. Make a call. Make a decision. Stick with it. Commit to it with action. Because you have 10 other teammates out there on the field. If you're wrong, but you're aggressive in your commitment, you have other teammates out there that can cover for you. But if you're indecisive, guess what your teammates are? Indecisive as well. So solve your problems with aggression. We don't do that very well. We just find ourselves on endless trial. We, we, it's like, we, it's like if, if this was a trial, if America's political battles were a, were a trial, 
we're always getting cross-examined on the witness stand. We don't ever get to call witnesses. John Wayne Gacy got to call witnesses in his defense, guys. Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, Timothy McVeigh got to call witnesses in his defense. Terrorists get to call witnesses in their defense. Why don't we? Why do we sit there and answer every douchebag question posed to us dutifully like dogs? Servile puppies. Why do we do that? How often do you see me do that, guys? Never. 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 I've walked away from shows where they tried to do that to me. I've literally just left them on the air and walked away. Not happening. And if it does happen, it's on me. I failed. It's my fault. That doesn't mean I win every argument. That's not what I'm saying. You don't win every argument. Greatest defense attorneys, they win every case? No. But if we're going to lose the argument, it's going to be because you've got a better argument than me. Not because I didn't make my argument. Know what I mean? There's a difference. I won't make my argument. It may not be good. It may not be the right one. It may not be the best one. But I'm not going to let you make my argument for me. I'm going to make my argument. And if you have a better response to my argument, God bless you. You're better. You win. I'll see you on the flip side. We'll do this again sometime. I'll give you your props. You get your propers. But you aren't making my argument for me. This is why you often see me reset questions, reject premises of questions, turn questions to what I want to talk about instead, because they're called interviews, not interrogations. They're called dialogues, not beatdowns. They're called debates, meaning we go back and forth, not soliloquies. See where I'm at here? Where in the rule book does it say, accept every one of the other side's talking points and never challenge them and never force them to defend their talking points? You want a recent example of me doing this? Last Friday. Yep. This is what I did last Friday. So by Friday afternoon, we're cleaned out of here. We're on weekend. We're done. Meet the Press calls me. Now, it's good for my career to be on Meet the Press just to have my name set. But I'm not your typical guy like some of the others in this industry. I like to be successful. But man, as the cure one saying, it's Friday, I'm in love. I'm out of here, man. All right? I'm not coming back here to do a two-minute panel where it's me and three liberals, you set me up, and just because you, and, and I'm, I'm not doing that. So I asked him, what's the, what are we going to do? Do you want to actually talk about what I wrote for USA Today? What's real compassion look like? Yes, we do. All right, I'm in so far. If I'm on a panel, will I get a chance to talk? I, I, I asked them, see, that's the other thing too, you know, I, I actually thought, you know, not only do I need to prove to be worthy of their time, but stay with me now. They need to prove to be worthy of mine. Oh, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So am I going to get a chance to talk? Actually, then they told me, you won't be on a panel. He's going to talk to you one-on-one. When I heard that news, guess what my answer was? Hell yeah. Yeah, we're in. We'll do this. We'll do this. Weekend can wait. All right. I'll play Friday I'm in love when I get in the truck about two hours later so I can come in here and do this. Because now I get a chance to make the other side defend its record and belief system. What did I do in that clip? Where's the compassion for the people that don't make $40,000 a year like the average DACA recipient does? Or $37,000 a year? There's, what I found were two different studies that quoted two different numbers. So I even went with the low one to give them the benefit of the doubt. Because you know what? 51% of Americans with full-time work 
or 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 full-time work defined by Obamacare, meaning 29 hours a week or more, according to the Social Security Administration of this country, 51% of those people don't make more than $31,000 a year. Where's the compassion for them? When is it their turn? When is the fact their wages have been stagnant for more than 15 years? When does that become a talking point? Because this isn't about mass deportation. Right away, I'm going to I'm, I'm not I'm not even going to entertain that point. One of my buddies emailed me and says, well, where do you stand on the deportation thing? After he watched the clip, I said, I thought I completely dismissed it from the outset. Well, yeah, but where do you say? I said, what part have I dismissed it from the outset? But see, he's trapped in the thinking. I've got to answer their questions. No, I don't. I don't have to answer their questions. I have to present my position. That's what I have to do. I have to stand up for what I believe in. And I'll use their questions as a launching pad to do that. And guess what? If I can't, then I won't go. I say no all the time. I'll give you another example. CNN called me back, I think it was in February or March, when Congressman Steve King had made some comments about nationalism and demographics. You guys remember this? We actually talked about it as friends off the air. And they asked me to come on a panel and discuss this. And uh, nope. I, talk, I, I asked him some follow-up questions, and it was very clear. This is not an issue in an eight-minute panel with two other people on the panel can be discussed in a way that doesn't set me up to be a clown. Because not everything in life is a flashcard, guys, and not everything in life is a, Twitter, is a Twitter post. Some things actually do require an adult conversation. The issues that Steve King raised in that, which I don't even agree with all of them, but he did raise some important issues, require more than, all right, um, Harry, you be the progressive, tolerant one. You be the offended John Kasich, Jeb Bush, Mangina Republican who just can't even again. And you be the uh, Trump Easter redneck moron who can't, you know, talk his way out of a paper bag. All right, ready? We're back in 30. Here we go, guys. Hell no. And if that's what it takes to get 100,000 Twitter followers and a contributor on a cable news channel, find another schmuck. I'll do something else with my life. Thank you very little. You're not joking. That's that's what's going on at the producer's head and the host's head. That's exactly what's that's, going on. Yeah. That's exactly what I told him. I told him on the phone, you are interested in a serious conversation, so no. I'd advise you to find somebody else. And then I called a few other conservatives in Iowa, like our buddy Bob Vanderplatz, knowing they just worked their way down the list. Right? They're looking for an Iowa conservative to come on, and because they don't understand, they don't even understand why they disagree with what Steve King said. They don't even get. I could make their argument against what they what he said better than they could. They they're just reacting. They want talking points. It's like it's like it's like watching liberal media members now defending North Korea just simply because Trump attacked them. All right, they're not looking. There's no thinking happening here. So I called up like people like Bob and two other three uh, Iowa conservatives with sat uplink access. And I said, you don't want to do that. Walk away. And it has nothing to do with, I won't criticize Steve King. I've disagreed with Steve King plenty. Or I won't defend Steve King. I've defended Steve King plenty. It has to do with, I ain't the one. I ain't the one. You want a proxy? You want a punching bag? Cool. I get it. We all got to make our bones. I totally get it, man. I get it. I got a mouth to feed like everybody else does. I'm just not going to feed my mouths this way. You got to feed your mouths this way? Hate the game, not the player. You're just going to need to find another player. Because the only way to win the game is not to play. We play their game, gentlemen, all the time. All the time. 
Look at the narratives that have been debated in Washington the last six months. Whether to bail out Obamacare, how much amnesty to provide, and when to unconditionally raise the debt ceiling. Who won the election last year? Do you remember? Not us. Yeah, apparently. Because I could have sworn the Republicans won. And yet, now we're not quite getting all the same policies we'd get if the Democrats were in charge. But we're getting all the same arguments we would be getting if the Democrats are in charge. Which means eventually, since we're getting all of their arguments, what eventually will we end up getting? The policies. Their policies. Whoever wins the premise wins the argument. That's right. Margaret Thatcher. First you win the debate, then you win the vote. So since we're having their arguments, you know, I was on a clip, we're going to play it tomorrow on Fake News or Not. I was on HLN earlier today. And uh, John Frederick is a local radio host in Virginia. Good guy. He's more of a Trump guy than me, but a good conservative guy. I've been on his show before promoting this book, actually. He probably doesn't even remember that. So the host of that show, Carol Costello, has had me and John on together because she's actually fascinated by the fact that maybe the world's not a binary choice issue. So she's interested in what is, because she knows, Carol knows, I'm not Bill Crystal. I'm an actual conservative. So she's fascinated by what is it about me as an actual conservative that I don't like about Trump and then having me on with an actual conservative who's in favor of Trump. In other words, let's have an, a conversation other than four legs good, two legs bad, even if it's for seven minutes. That's also why I make time to do it, because it's a chance to burst through the binary choice paradigm. And the, conversa- the debate that we were having between John and I today, which really wasn't much of a debate, was about Cassidy Graham, the Republicans' last gasp hope of putting out a, something they can call a repeal and replace this year on Obamacare. And I'm listening to John articulate his arguments. And philosophically, I am with, I'm, I'm actually in agreement with him, philosophically. But I chose not to get in the middle of it while him and Carol went back and forth because I just wanted to see what he did. And God bless him, man. I agree with what he's asserting. But he accepted the premise of every question she had and argued from her premise. It's an unwinnable argument. First thing she asks me, she plays for me the clip of Jimmy Kimmel going off on Senator Cassidy last night. That's gone viral. You came on my show and told me everybody was going to get covered. You lied, yada, yada, yada. First question she asked me was, Steve, can Republicans survive the wrath of Jimmy Kimmel? Because she even played, they called, and we called Senator Cassidy's office, and here was the, here was the sound we got. It's a busy signal. From all the people that, that Jimmy Kimmel has calling the senator's office because he put his phone up on a show. That's, how she, now that, that's her lead-in to her question to me. My response? First thing I said before pivoting to what I wanted to say, which was to warn the Republicans not to lie about this. Democrats lied about Obamacare. I said this on the air. Democrats lied about Obamacare, devastated their party. If Republicans lie about Obamacare, it's going to devastate theirs too. But before I did that, here's what I said. Well, Carol, with all due respect to Jimmy Kimmel, if America really was in favor of the policies and politicians he and his liberal Hollywood guests advocate regularly, we probably wouldn't have the fewest elected Democrats nationwide since before the Great Depression like we currently have. Moving on. Now I'm going to talk about what I'd like to. Thanks. No, I'm not accepting your premise. No, I'm not. Thanks, though. I don't have to play by your rules. Well, Steve, not a lot of people can do that. Then guess what? Go do something else. I can't, I can do like two. I'm pretty strong, but I still weigh 250 pounds. So I can do like two real pull-ups. 
So guess what that means? I can't be a Navy SEAL. Doesn't mean I'm a terrible person. Nope. Just means I suck at pull-ups. So I need to do something else that doesn't require pull-ups to make a living. If you cannot advocate and defend your beliefs and your policies, guess what industry you probably shouldn't be in? Wait for it. Wait for it. Politics. Okay? Politics. I can't win my daughter with a with a water rifle, a stuffed animal at Adventureland. So guess what I shouldn't aspire to be? American sniper. Okay? I'm 5'11 and a half white with about a 24-inch vertical. Not bad for a 44-year-old that's 250 pounds. But since I'm not Fletch, 6'5 and 6'9 with Afro, guess what league I'll never be in, guys? The NBA. If you can't do this, you can't do this. And this is where we lose is at this point right here every time. The American people know what they don't like about what we believe. And I, I've got nothing against our, uh, our opponents on the left for, for playing the game well. It's a game. I respect them. The way Patton respected Rommel, I respect them for that. Who I have no respect for, though, are the people representing me who suck at the game or don't even realize what the game, in this case, is. They're the ones killing us. Because most Americans don't understand why they don't like leftist policies until they elect a bunch of leftist Todd and they screw them over every time. And that's why we go in this circle. From one party to the next, back and forth we go. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Like a record, baby, right round, right round. That's what we do. Here's been our election since 2000. Guy wins the, loses the popular vote, wins the electoral college by 537 hanging shads in Florida. Gets to be president. By 2002, he has so rallied the country post 9-11, Republicans get total control of the Congress. In 2004, he wins the popular vote and gets reelected. In 2006, people are so sick and tired of his mismanagement of Iraq that Democrats take over Congress and Nancy Pelosi is Speaker. 2008, <clears throat> they decide, you know, we'd rather have a guy in a post 9-11 world named Barack Hussein Obama over a freaking military hero for president. And then they give him a filibuster-proof Senate in like 300 some odd members of Congress. 2010, well, we, we gave that guy too much power, so Republicans win control of Congress. 2012, well, this guy, we still like him better, so we'll reelect him even after, even though we don't really like a lot of his policies, he gets reelected. 2014, we made a mistake reelected him, so let's give the Republicans the Senate too. This is nuts! Then we have last year, 2016, Republicans lose a few congressional seats, lose a few Senate seats, and a guy wins the presidency by winning four states with 78, by 78,000 combined votes. This is nuts, guys. Nuts. That's way too much turnover in a limited amount of time. Why are we doing it? I'll tell you why we're doing it. Because most Americans don't know what they're for. They just know what they're against. And what they know is liberal ideology sounds great till we go about doing it. Then it just blows chunk watts. And I can't afford it. And then the Republicans sound great until they get elected and then they don't go about doing the things that sounded great. 
So, all right, well, I, mean, I guess that means we need more liberalism. I mean, who better to run liberals than the liberals? We go back to that. That sucks again. Republicans promise you again they'll get rid of it. Then they don't because K Street loves it more than anybody else. Is this not, has this not been America the last 20 years, Todd? That's exactly America. That's exactly where we're at. And the, but the problem is the clock is ticking here. Because we're, we're rapidly approaching the point now where the American people are simply going to say, I know we can't afford it. I know it's bad. But at least if we do single payer, I will know what the policy is. I will know what I have to do. I can't not know is my coverage going to be there every six months. What my premiums are going to be. This is what your family's lived for the last year and a half. So they will choose. People will always, if, if they are denied their liberty, what will they always choose in exchange? What will they always choose? Certainty, safety, yes. something along Even if lines. that certainty sucks, sucks, they will choose the certainty every time because at least I know the devil I know is better than the devil I don't. Thoughts, Todd? Well, in going back to the specific query, it's important, really important that you understand when you engage... When you get somebody to defend your position, what your their position is, what you're asking them to talk. Uh, it, we don't want people doing things undercover. Increasingly, progressives are granting us the favor by doing more and more of their craziness out in the sunlight, including burning campus college campuses down. So, a strategy that you need to think of, and this is not necessarily easy if you want to make sure that you're the rock star by being the one talking, but often, effectively, if you're doing this, you're the one who's actually talking least. You're, you're, setting, you're the one setting the premises, and then you're saying, roll tape. You want your opponent these days to be talking more than you do, if, if you're doing this effectively. Because you don't want to be uh, the one coming across uh, as the filibuster or the I'm smarter than you guy. People are sick of that on the left and the right. Uh, As Steve said before, you can be vicious, though, if you are funny. So you and it is funny to very simply back somebody into the corner that they want to go to. Anyways, put down your ego in terms of the thing that demands as a spotlight is on your mouth all the time. Just be smart and scalpel-like in the questions you ask, and progressives will hang themselves. Yeah, I agree that it's probably better in this environment to let let the other side, the, let the left do most of the talking. The, the problem then becomes, then what? Steve just said a few moments ago that most Americans, uh, and, and correct me if I'm misquoting you, but the, the, the idea is most Americans don't know what they're for. They know what they're against. Mm-hmm. So we have to not only let the other side talk, but then we actually have to paint a picture and be able to articulate what we actually believe and what we're for as an alternative to that so that we get out of this cycle of, I don't like this. I don't like this. Let's try something new. Let's try something new. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. Let's actually try to get into a position where we can paint a picture for people of, hey, this is what you should be. This is what you should be for. If you don't like this, this is what you should be for. Uh, and then educate. But it's I mean, at, at this point in our country, nobody seemingly has any time to actually 
uh, educate themselves on on what what it is they say they believe and so nobody's actually able to defend uh, what is right or what's what should be best for the American people and so we just keep on going in the cycle and we're going to run out of it the music's going to stop someday maybe in you know maybe in four years maybe in uh 12 16 20 years but at some point the music is going to stop and those left without a seat um they're going to be left out in in the cold um as far as the, the growth of government and um and the welfare state goes i mean this is again um I'm thinking back to last week, and we we talked DACA uh, to death. But I'm thinking back to last week about how um, the the talk show host from uh, Houston or Dallas, um, how he just not only adopted the talking points but accepted the premise as well. And that type of thing has to stop if we if we want to actually stop this cycle that we're in right now. Yes. Yep. It's it's time for the American people to hear the other side defend its arguments. It's time. It's time to let them hear what is it the other side really wants to do. The clip we played on Fake News or Not the other day of Chuck Todd questioning Bernie Sanders. I mean, I and frankly, Chuck Todd did a better job just by forcing Sanders to ask some earn, answer some earnest questions that are better did a better job of deconstructing single payer health care than anybody I've seen representing our side on TV this whole year. This whole year. That's not good, okay? We, hey, Blanche Dubois, do not get by on the kindness of strangers here. If we're, getting, if, if we're waiting for Chuck Todd and the people over at NBC Universal to, to deconstruct the left for us, man, yo. No. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's not a winning formula, guys. That, that's, by the way, I give Chuck Todd credit for doing his job, but that's also a de- major demerit for our own side. We have to do better than that. How do you plan on paying for this? How do you plan on paying for it? Make them answer those questions. Stop, you know, the the 80s talking reform, growth, limited government. Nobody cares. I wish they did, but they don't. You know, when I showed my... My sons heard me wax poetic about Super Tecmo Bowl for the last several years. What a great game it was. So this summer on a hot, steamy day, it was too hot to go outside and play and do anything. We were in the basement where it was cold, seeking air-conditioned shelter. We are watching YouTube videos. I'm like, you know what, man? I'm going to show you Super Tecmo Bowl. Found some videos of Super Tecmo Bowl. Now, you know, I'm looking at it through the nostalgic eyes of I'm a college sophomore in 1992 spending a semester playing this. All right. He's fidgeting. He's moving around. He's yawning. He's bored. He's like, this isn't very good. I wish he'd care. He doesn't. Just not relevant to him. Different era. The talking points, the themes that we used to sound aren't relevant right now. 
Notice what I just said, by the way. Steve, you just said conservatism is not relevant right now. Is that what I said? No. 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 Did I say the truths we stand for aren't relevant right now? Is that what I said? No. Did I say the values we stand for aren't relevant right now? Is that what I said? No. No. Did I say the ideals we stand for aren't relevant right now? Or no. ideas? No. What did I say? The way we talk about them yeah, in the, the themes, past. Yes, and they're just not relevant. You already have the vote of everybody who, who will respond to, I believe in the Second Amendment. You already have the vote of everybody who will respond to, I believe in federalism and limited government. You already have every one of those votes. I don't know if you've done the math, it ain't enough. Okay? So we're missionaries. When we go to a pagan culture, do we communicate to them in the language we want them to know or the language they would like us to understand? Which is it? The latter. Paul goes to a place called Mars Hill, the Areopagus, quotes Virgil. Why did he quote Virgil? Because, man... He was their Kanye West. He was their Taylor Swift. Everybody knew Virgil. He was a pop culture icon. Everybody would know what this Jew from Jerusalem who was trying to make a living making tents. Everybody would understand what he meant. If he showed up at the Areopagus at Mars Hill. All right, I want to walk you guys through the... um, the line of, of descendancy um, here, beginning with Adam. What the hell's an Adam? We don't know. So what did, he, what did he do? He spoke to them in a language they would understand. We don't do that, and most people don't understand. They just know liberalism doesn't work. But if they don't know why it doesn't work, guess what they will keep choosing, guys? Liberalism. And you know why they'll keep choosing it? What's the conservatism we're offering in exchange? Do you know? I have no idea. I, I've been tweeting about this today. Philosophically, I agree with much of what Cassidy Graham claims it wants to do. Which is essentially re- block grant. If we can't get the votes to flat out repeal Obamacare, we will block grant it to the states with the, and give them the seed money. It's similar to what I even proposed a few months ago, actually. Remember, we talked about this. Yeah. Give them the seed money to create their own exchanges. Because if they create their own exchanges, we're going to have what? Competition. What does competition always result in? Always. It's a law of economics. More competition means lower what? Prices. Prices. Every time. Supply and demand is a law, which means we can't alter it. It's a law of economics. So the way that you manipulate that law to your favor is through competition. The reason why big screen, the reason why HDTV originally cost ten grand, and now you can get a good one for eight hundred and fifty bucks. Why? Well, the first pe- one, one company came up with the technology. <clears throat> They're the only place you can go to get it. Seven or eight other companies come up with it. What happens? With, now we have a higher supply. So what happens to the price? goes down competition every time <clears throat> well here's the problem though if if we've got a record number of republican governors right now have you guys seen a single one of them come out and say we're all for this give it to us we'll handle it have you seen one of them say this no i've never i haven't heard much from any republican governor we're, we're, where's the republican governors time. association where's the rga have you heard anything are they supporting this legislation heard nothing so and I know my state of Iowa. Yeah, I think that's you, all I need to yeah, know, really. That's right. Well, here's the problem then. <clears throat> if we if we 
if we if we block grant this back to the states to create a competitive market, a competitive economy of scale, <clears throat> and it won't just be com- competition with the feds, but with one another. Meaning, if Massachusetts thinks Romney Care is great, and they want to keep that, then they will be. They would then be competing with another state's alternative plan. More competition means lower what prices. But what happens then if the states don't set up their own economy of scales? If they don't set up a competitive market, what happens if they just take the block grants and say, "Thank you. This will help pay for everybody to be in Medicare now." like what John Kasich did in Ohio. Let me tell you what will happen. Less people will be covered. Prices will then still go up because part of the thing this does is give insurers more latitude with restricting coverage of pre-existing conditions. So, less people will be covered. Prices will still go up because there's no competition. Why will less people be covered? Because insurers, if you, if you deregulate and allow them the chance to get out from underneath these punitive regulations, anybody owning a business is going to do, do what? That. They're going to do that. So you're going to let them out of the regulations that are crippling them, which are causing your prices to go up. But there's no competition. So less people will be covered. Prices will not go down. They will go up. That formula equals political annihilation. That's what that is. You have simultaneously angered everyone. You did not keep your promise to your base. You don't get your health plan back, Erzin family, and your premiums didn't go down. Or the, the rate for me to insure you as your employer didn't go down enough for me to be able to afford it. And then we've got an entire victim class of people with pre-existing conditions not getting the coverage they were getting before that are all going to be in Democratic Party commercials next year. Which means people will then come to the conclusion we need what? Single Single payer. payer. That's where we go. Yep. That's why this is an important commandment. And we won't, when the time comes that people are so desperate they think this is their only option, we won't be able to make the argument anymore that this won't work and how bad it is because people will be desperate. won't be relevant to them. I need something right now. You may be right. I guess that's something my kids... I hope my kids and grandkids have figured it out by the time that bill comes due. But I'm a single mom with four kids and, and I can't afford these copays. In fact, I'd like some copays because I don't even have coverage right now because one of my kids has... You know, one of my kids had leukemia. One of, one of my kids has, you know, a de, you know, a debilitative condition, a congenital condition. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm desperate, since you didn't give me the option of liberty, I'm going to choose what? Security. Every time. No matter how bad the, secu- the price of security, no matter how steep the cost is, no matter how much that security may suck. I will choose brown shirts over the Weimar Republic every time. Every time, guys. I will choose I alone can solve over, I guess we don't know what will happen every time. Final words, Todd, Aaron. I so wish that this one had the legs it needs to have, uh, this this premise. Uh, Because if it did... 
if the country had ears to hear, uh, the walls would come tumbling down and do so quickly. The scams that we have been peddled are not four-dimensional chess. This is broken and transparently so. But we just don't have ears to hear. Uh, It's like... Steve talks about with Twitter and how uh, people in our business and and then you get in there and you're in there with athletes and stars and instantly you're talking with somebody that you never would have talked uh, had a chance to talk with before and it gives a sense that this is where everything is happening and and Twitter does not nearly have the power uh, in terms of the public most of the public isn't on Twitter but we kind of lie to ourselves that it is, and, and and it's it's with this. Even when we are successful, and I hate to end on a downer, I'm I'm just simply being honest. Even when we are successful at pulling this one off and making people defend their position, and it's a total farce. And that even though this election was frustrating, that still did happen. We we just get shoulder shrugs some of it has to do with the psychology steve is talking about people lost in their own fear uh and and not able to set that aside for principle Uh, but this prince this uh premise number eight in the book is needed now more than ever and i don't know it's just really hard to gain purchase with it these days pick up my guitar and play just like yesterday and i get on my knees and pray (laughs) we don't get fooled again for we know that the hypnotized gonna never that, lie. going to say that earlier. That's such a great song. That'll do it for today. That is a good way. That's a mic drop way to end. Well played, Aaron. Well played. Plus, you appealed to your boss's uh, vanity. Well there done. you go. All right. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Don't forget the, the show today on CRTV. CRTV.com. Use that promo code DACE, D-E-A-C-E, to get your subscription today. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.